0: Mark chapter 6 is where we're at today. Mark chapter 6. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. If you're sitting pretty close to somebody, you better kind of warn them in advance. I might start getting kind of mobile here in just a few minutes because there's something in this story in Mark chapter 6. We're in a series called Savage Savior... Uh, We're talking about Jesus being our savage savior. And the reason we use the term savage is because we're using the Urban Dictionary's definition of savage. Once again, savage for us means um, courageous, brave to the point that people think you're nuts. People think you're crazy. Are you crazy? That's what Jesus, people accused him of being crazy. Also, savage means someone who's not concerned about the consequences of his or her actions. Jesus wasn't concerned about what people thought. He was concerned about people, and there's a big difference. And so in this series, we're kind of having our paradigm shifted a little bit about Jesus, and we're looking at him in a fresh way. Let me tell you a story, and I'm not really sure if I'm supposed to say who it is, so I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I think you can probably figure it out as I go through. I want to start with kind of an illustration. The story's been told about an executive at one of the largest, well, the largest publishing company in the world. And he was working with a, uh, a high-ranking, one of the highest political people in the nation who had fulfilled his tenure in office, in an office of an oval nature, and, and during which a scandal took place. And during the time, his tenure that lasted four, eight years while he was in the office of an Oval Nature, he wrote his memoirs and he had them recorded in a book. And the book was really long. Uh, It was um, over 800 pages. So now the publisher has asked this uh, high-ranking political person uh, to come and record his audio book. And, And so he's going to be reading the book but because it's so long the publisher is selecting excerpts out of it that will be a part of the otherwise the audiobook would just last way too long and so they they they're getting to the place in the book where the scandal is explained in in this these memoirs and and the the high ranking political individual um, protested said i don't i don't i i think people are sick of hearing about this thing. He was really frustrated with the the publishing company executive, and he felt that no one really wanted to know this information. And in essence, he was telling the executive of the publishing company, is this significant? Now, the executive had to really think on his feet because he had to reply to the most powerful person in the world and tell him that uh, an answer that he did not want to hear. And so, yes. Uh, Mr. President, uh, yes, sir, this is very significant. And so, what I want to do is, I want to make that the, the subtitle of this message. So, turn to your neighbor and say in your best Bill Clinton voice, This is significant. Can you do that, please? <laughs> Mark included this story that we're going to read today in the Bible because it's very significant. He thought it was significant about the ministry of Jesus. And so let's just get right into it in verse number 45 in Mark chapter 6. Immediately, there's that word again. When you read the book of Mark, you're going to see suddenly or very quickly or rapidly or immediately. It just goes from one thing to another thing to another thing very quickly. And so immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. I don't read in there that he said, boys, pack some ponchos. (laughs) It doesn't say in there that he gave them a warning that you're gonna encounter yet another storm in your life. He just gave them one simple instruction. Fellas, get in the boat. We're going to Bethsaida. I wonder maybe if God doesn't tell us everything in our lives because he knows that we can't handle knowing everything that lies ahead of us in our lives. Verse 46 After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake. Everybody say, middle of the lake. lake. And he was alone on the land. So Jesus was not with them. He saw his disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, or, or it might say in another translation, early in the morning, he went out to them walking on the lake. Well... That's awesome. He was about to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. (laughs) Well, because God often looks like fear from a distance, doesn't he? But the closer you get to God, the more you realize he's not fear at all. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I... Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down and they were completely amazed. Turn to your neighbor again and say, this is significant. significant. I need you to participate and I saw somebody not participating, let's try it again. Say, "This this is significant. Come on, baby. If you've ever been to church, if you've ever stopped by a church, if you've ever driven by a church or if you've ever seen the word church before, then you probably heard this story of Jesus walking on the water. Yeah, you just At least you've heard a part of the story, so you kind of get the context of it a little bit. This is a significant story because it teaches us that Jesus is Lord of all creation. Yes. And so really, the theological term for that is Jesus is sovereign. He's sovereign in your life. This story gives us a revelation in the New Testament of a revelation that was given to us in the Old Testament of when, remember when... Moses was called by God to set the children free, the children of Israel free. And so God called him by standing, uh, by by showing up in the form of a bush that was on fire, but the bush did not, wasn't consumed, wasn't burned up. And during that that, um, sovereignty that God was showing over nature even, where the bush wasn't burning up, um, God introduces himself to Moses and he says, I am. And it's interesting to me, That God's name, I am, over the next many centuries, God has been filling in the blank. I am water in the dry places in your life. I am a warrior in the battles that you struggle with in your life. He is sustainer in our weariness. The truth is, you're going to spend the rest of your life, every one of us, will spend the rest of our life filling in that blank. I am, and then God's. Just about the time you think you've got God all figured out, and he fits neatly into that that box of religion or faith or whatever you want to call it in your life, uh, something happens in your life, and and the the life beneath you, the feet beneath you, begin to shift, and you begin then to learn even more dimensions of our savage Savior. I am sufficient for you. So the disciples have been with Jesus now for quite an extensive Class, let's call it a class. They've been learning from Jesus. They've gone through all of these miracles that he's done, and we've seen a lot of them. And they're all on the New newlifeca.church if you want to kind of catch up and, and learn some things. But you can also just connect by listening today. Listen, he, they, they were with Jesus when an evil spirit showed up in church. Up in church and Jesus was like, be quiet, come out of him. And out it went. Dude. They were with Jesus when he healed Peter's mother-in-law. They were with Jesus when he healed the dude with leprosy. They were were with Jesus when those four guys climbed up on the roof and dug through and dropped the guy down, and, and, and he walked out of there carrying the mat that carried him in there. They were with Jesus when he healed the man with the shriveled hand. They were with Jesus when he calmed the sea. They were with Jesus when he healed the man who had 6,000 demons inside of him and he was fully, totally transformed and delivered. They were with Jesus when he healed the woman with the issue of blood and they were with Jesus when he healed that 12-year-old girl that lied dead on her bed and he raised her from the dead. They were with Jesus for all of this and yet there's something about what happens in the middle of the lake that amazed them. I'm like, fellas, you've been in class a long time now. Why should this amaze you? But it amazed them because there was something that happened in the middle of the lake that they had not yet seen before about Jesus. Look at verse 48 again. He saw his disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. I want to just kind of camp out here for a second. The wind was against them. Jesus said, go forward, but he knew the wind was gonna be against them. Now, it's significant to me And I think it's significant to you because a lot of times in our life, when God sends us out to do something for him, we have this assumption that the wind is going to work with us, not the wind working against us. But as we mature in our faith with God, isn't that just ironic that I said mature and my voice cracked? Just kind of, I don't know. As, As we mature in our faith, we discover something. We discover that when the wind is against us, oftentimes it, it, it does not mean that God is, is against us. It doesn't mean that God is not for you when the wind is against you. In fact, oftentimes when the wind is against you in your life and you're just trying to make progress for God to what God has called you to do and to whom God has called you to be, and you're straining against the wind, it's confirmation of the fact that God is with you because the wind is against you. It's a, it's, a big, it's a big deal. And so this is what we've been discovering in this Savage Savior series. We've been discovering this, that resistance is often the greatest place for revelation. Resistance, the wind being against you, is often the greatest place for revelation. The wind was against the disciples, but not because they disobeyed the words of Jesus. The wind was against the disciples because they obeyed the words of Jesus. It's it's not like it was. I I get it with Jonah. Uh, God God told Jonah, get in the boat, and and I want you to go to Nineveh. And so Jonah gets in the boat, and he goes the opposite direction to Tarsus. And I get that. Storm should come right? Because if you're going to deliberately disobey God, you better expect a consequence in your life. Can someone say yes? yes. We don't like that, but that's just the truth. But wait a minute. You said get in the boat and go to Bethsaida. I didn't ask you no questions. I got in the boat and I'm rowing and I'm out in the middle now and the wind is right against me and I keep on rowing and I'm getting absolutely nowhere. I feel like I'm on a, on a treadmill and I'm going faster and it's going faster and I can't get anywhere and I'm doing exactly what you told me to do. See, I, I expect, I expect that the wind should be with me if you're gonna call me to do something, God, but instead, the wind is against me. I expect God to bless me when I come to church. I expect a good parking place When I go to the restaurant this afternoon after church, I expect a good parking place and a booth big enough for my entire family. I just expect that, because I'm walking in the blessings of Almighty God. I, I expect that the new shoes that I want to buy will go on sale, because I went to church on Sunday morning. I, I expect a promotion because I came to church, but What really ticks us off, really makes us mad, is when somebody who didn't go to church, who chose to sleep in, who has a sourpuss attitude, who just, you can't really, they get the promotion and you get laid off. And that just doesn't doesn't seem to be fair. I don't understand how God can be with me and he can let the wind be against me in my life. But oftentimes, the wind being against you is confirmation of the word of God, that the resistance of the enemy is there, it's showing you that you're on the right track. Your temptation is, is when you're in the middle of the the lake, to turn that sucker around, right? And just let the wind take you back home again and maybe we'll try this another day, because it's not working out so well today. The truth is, if you turn it around and you go back, you may never get back on the boat again. You may never try again, the wind being against you is a reminder that the Lord's presence is with you, and it's the Lord's presence that makes you successful. Now, you, you listen to this. Are you ready for this? Because this is just revelatory. When I, when I felt like I heard it from the Lord, I'm like, that's so good, because this is the truth. Because if the wind was working with you, when you get to the other side, you'd be tempted to thank the wind and not God. Yeah. Yeah. If it were easy, if it were easy, some of you are like, you don't understand how hard it is. I'm talking straight to you. All right. Just, just eyeball to eyeball. If it were easy, you'd thank the wrong things. If the wind wasn't against you, you wouldn't need the Lord to step in to the middle of the lake and then look at the wind and say, knock it off. You wouldn't need God's presence in your life to speak peace to the situation. So the wind needs to be against you right now to prove that the Lord is with you. Amen. Amen. Come on now. Calm down, Troy. That's just the introduction, right? Here we go. Our savage Savior. Now, I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about soft savior. I'm not talking about uh, the sa- Pinterest savior, all right? I'm not talking about, um, I'm not talking about uh, a soft savior uh, uh, sitting on a cloud, playing the harp, singing kumbaya. I'm not talking, I'm talking about our savage savior is, is on the side of the mountain watching these fellas in the middle of the lake. Yeah. Oh, look at verse 48 again. We were there, let's keep going. He saw his disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them i 've been to this mountain i 've been privileged by God to be able to go to Israel and I 've been to this mountain and they said this is the, this, this is the place they believe this is the place that Jesus was praying, and you can see the entire lake. you can see all of the water from this vantage point. it was a place that Jesus would climb and and, and he would pray and what i 'm thinking was so jesus Jesus was watching while his disciples were straining at the oars. Jesus is watching. Watching from above. I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down. Jesus sees you in your storm. He sees you. He sees what's going on. He knows what you're going through. He understands what you're dealing with. He knows what people have done to you. He sees the tears that you've cried on your pillow at night that nobody else knows anything about. He knows what's going on in your soul. You can cover it up from other people, but you can't keep it from our savage Savior. But then I read this again, and I started getting a little angry. I started getting a little frustrated. I got a little upset. Because if if Jesus could see them, then why didn't he stop the storm? Seems kind of cruel that Jesus would say, boys, get in the boat. And he would send them. And seems kind kind of insensitive that he would see the storm. Surely he saw the storm approaching, too. And it seems kind of cruel to me that he wouldn't stop the storm. So look again at verse number 48. We're gonna continue reading. About the fourth watch of the night or early in the morning, he went out to them walking on the lake. Here's what kind of confused me. He was about to pass them by and I thought to myself, well, I thought you'd never leave me. I, I thought you'd never forsake me, right? I thought you were a friend that would so stick closer than a brother. I thought that you you promised your presence to me. So Jesus, is like, what's that, boys? I don't know. I don't know. Walking through the storm, I'm just, it's amazing the things that they and so he's about to pass them by, but they are wigging out. They're afraid. And I imagine they're tired. I imagine they're frustrated and they're scared. Now remember. Mark's gospel, we got this is a Bible teaching kind of time, so dial in here. Mark's gospel was written by Mark, but it was really dictated. Um, uh, the recollection was given by Peter. Peter was one of the disciples, Mark was not, just so you know. Mark was an evangelist, he wasn't one of the 12 disciples. Okay, so Mark is recording this, and he, but it's being recounted by Peter. Now let's talk about Peter. Peter was a uh, outspoken. Peter was the guy that would say what everybody else is thinking. You have a friend like that or a former friend like that that would just say what everybody else is. Peter was what we would call in our modern term, he, he's filter free. He, he had no filter. He would just say what he was thinking at the moment. And when Peter was right, he was really right. But when Peter was wrong, <laughs> he was really wrong. Like, like one time in, one, in, a, in a chapter in the in the Bible, Peter was, uh, Jesus is like, hey, who do you say I am? He's like, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responds to him, that's, aw- that's and I'm just kind of paraphrasing, that's awesome, you're right, spot on, and your name is now Peter, and, and which means rock, and so on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yeah, I got it right, baby. And in the same chapter, and just the other side of his mouth, uh, Jesus is like telling the, telling the boys... He's like, fellas, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to give my life as a ransom for all. And Peter's like, you're not going to the cross. That's not going to happen. And so now he answered wrong. So Jesus looks at him and says, get thee behind me. Oh, my goodness. And he calls him, he calls him the devil. He calls him Satan. Uh, Peter was really, really wrong because he's trying to opposed the things the very thing that jesus came to do all in the same chapter of the bible so this is what we call bipolar peter all right so he's he's like this way and he's this way and he's just you can't he's just all over the charts and peter is the one telling this story this story to mark and mark is writing it down peter is the one recording the audiobook and and He's the one giving Mark this gospel account. I need you to get this because, remember, Mark wasn't a disciple. He was an evangelist. He's compiling this story. There are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're in Mark. It's the second one listed, but it's the first one written. I don't know why they did that because maybe it had more of a rhythm to it. I'm not sure, but Mark was the oldest one. It's the first one recorded. Now, um, Peter was the one who was, was writing it, but Mark was the one that was recording it. Now, uh, what's interesting to me is it's really not um, the gospel of Mark. It's, it's, it should really be the gospel according to Mark. It's like a vantage point. The gospel according to Matthew. The gospel according to Luke. The gospel according to John. So it's their vantage point on the story. Does that make sense? We all have different vantage points right now. You don't see what I see, but you're in the auditorium, right? And so we've got different vantage points. And, um, and so their vantage points tell the whole story. So it's the gospel according to Mark. In other words, um, uh, John says in his gospel, he says, if we were to write down everything that Jesus said and did, uh, there would not be enough uh, space on the whole earth to contain it all. And so what would happen is Wikipedia would just shut down totally if we tried to do that. And so there's, there's so many more things, so they had to make some decisions about what was in their gospel account, what was significant enough to put in the gospel to prove what they wanted to prove about who Jesus was. Is everybody with me, yes? Okay, so when Mark got to this part of the story, he said that Jesus walked on the water through the storm, and when he got into the boat, the winds died down. But when Matthew wrote this story, he included something that Mark left out. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read to you from Matthew chapter 14, and I don't want you to say anything, nobody say a word, until I get to the part in the story that is different from the part of the story that we're reading in Mark. And everybody do that, just say yes. All right, so here's the deal. Mark, or Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to start at verse number 22. Immediately, there's the word, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Sounds good so far. We're doing good. Verse number 23. After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray, When evening came, he was there alone. Okay, so far so good. But the boat was already a considerable distance in the middle of the lake from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against them. Sounds familiar, everybody say yes. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Sounds good so far. Um, When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were freaking out. They were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Sounds familiar. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And then verse 28. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. If I was writing my memoirs, if I was recording my audiobook, I'd put that in the story. Some of my family is here. Listen. I have never walked on water, but if I ever walk on water and then one day I'd I'd die, graduate and go to heaven, and you're writing the story of dear old dad's life, yeah, put that in the story, right? I want want everybody to know that I walked on, does that make sense? So turn to your neighbor and say, "This this is significant. It's significant. I have a question. And here's the question I have for you. How can Peter walk on water? And then, when it comes time to tell Mark what to write down about this story, uh, he says, you know, I think that people are just a little sick of hearing about this thing. Do you really think this is significant? How, How can Peter leave this out of the story? One more time, turn to your neighbor and say, this is significant. In the last 25 years almost that I've been in in full-time ministry, um, preaching God's word all over the place, I have preached this a lot, taught this a lot from many different angles, but mostly I've taught of the incredible faith that it took for Peter to get out of the boat and to take some steps and keep his eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I mean, It's a great story, but but I noticed something this time around that I want to share with you. I think it's pretty profound. Jesus commanded his disciples in the beginning, boys, get in the boat because we're going to Bethsaida. That was the command. That's what he said to do. And I wonder if it maybe took a little bit more faith for the boys to stay in the boat, to stay on course, to stay in the storm where Jesus called them to be from the beginning rather than reacting to an impulse to escape the storm. Now, I'm just throwing, I'm not saying Peter did anything wrong because I think there's different vantage points. I think Peter did something great. I, I'm just saying it takes a whole lot of faith in your life to keep on rowing when you can't see the shoreline. Sometimes it takes more faith to stay in the boat than it does to try to find an escape hatch. Maybe that's your marriage. Maybe that's that relationship that you just want to squash so bad. That God's called you to go to Bethsaida, called you to stand by that person. Oh, I've got, I've got people in my life like that. Just stay with them. So Peter, Peter, in water-walking Peter in Mark's gospel gets to this part of the story, and, and he doesn't see fit to put this in there, that he walked on water. He, he doesn't see fit to tell anybody that, uh, to tell Mark to write down the fact that, he, hey, I, I asked Jesus, if it's you, can I come out to you? And he's like, come, and I'm like, oh, cool, and I walk out, and it's awesome. I, he didn't include that in there, and I, I wondered why. I think it's a good question, and I think it will help us where we're at. I wonder if Peter left this out because, well, logically, because of verse number 30. Verse number 30, uh, but when he saw the wind... He was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Okay. He heard the word, come, but he saw the wind. He heard the word because remember, Jesus, if, if that's you, he can't see him. It's a storm going. He heard the word, but he saw the wind. And here's what I know in my life. Anytime you get more focused on what you see than what God spoke, you're gonna start to sink. You're gonna start to sink. Anytime you get more focused on what you see rather than what God said, you're gonna sink. Peter's doing pretty good as long as he keeps his eyes fixed on Jesus. But then, then he starts to see the wind and that's when he begins to sink. He took his, he took his eyes off of Jesus and he put his focus on on what was happening around him. It makes sense to me because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you keep your, if you keep your eyes focused on, on God, on God's word, uh, faith is gonna increase inside of you. All you need is one word from God. That's what you need. You need God, give me a word. And when you have a word from God, you're walking on water. See, Peter wasn't walking on water. Peter was walking on the word is what he was doing. And your kids can be acting crazy and your money can be going funny and your your marriage can be unraveling. You can be in the darkest night of your life, but if you will stand upon the word that God has declared over your life, he is Lord of all. What's a word? A word might be greater is he that's in me than he who is in this old world. Or no weapon formed against me is gonna prosper. Or all things work together for my good. I'm telling you that's a word. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Stand still and see the salvation of your God. Or nothing can separate me from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. If God is for me, then who can be against? Those are what we call words from God. You stand on God's word, and when you do, you're not going to sink. I didn't say it's not going to hurt. It's not going to be scary. But his word will carry you. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The Bible says that when Peter saw the wind, he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And I kind of wonder, well, maybe that's the reason why it was left out of his memoirs that he's feeding to Mark to write in Mark's gospel. Maybe that's why. Then I thought, well, no, probably not. Maybe, maybe he just wanted to skip over this part of his life because he knows it ended in failure. And you know, you do that too. You want to skip over certain chapters. Anybody want to skip over certain chapters of your life, right? You should just wish that chapter, those three years, I wish those weren't there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather leave him out. Let me remind you about something. Can I just kind of take a bunny trail for a second? Bunny trail, side, this is free. So um, there are some things in your life that you don't need to share with everybody, See, we tend to think as Christians, man, when God saves us and he redeems us and we now have, we've taken a test and we've got a testimony, we now need to tell everybody that. You don't need to tell everybody that testimony. You don't need to tell everybody that testimony. You've got to make sure that that testimony is supposed to be for public ears. That te- listen, listen, sometimes the greatest testimony is the fact that you went through the fire and you came out not smelling like smoke. Amen. Right? So you don't have to tell everybody everything about your stuff. You don't have to do that. But I wonder, maybe this is the reason why it was left out, why why Peter left it out. Then I reread in Mark, go back to Mark, same story, but this is Peter's account, in Mark chapter 6, verse 51. Let's reread this verse, powerful verse. Then, this is talking about Jesus, he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down, and they were completely amazed. I hope you got it. I didn't get it the first time. Let me help you with this. I believe... Peter told Mark, remember Mark's writing it. it's Peter's story. It's not significant when I climbed out of the boat. Look at it again. Verse 51. It's on the screen. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down, and they were completely amazed. I believe Peter told Mark, don't tell them what happened when I climbed out of the boat, because what's significant in this story is what happened when Jesus climbed into the boat. That's the bigger part of the story. It's not important what happened when I stepped out of the boat. It's not important what happened when I climbed out of the boat. It's not important that we strain all night long trying to row to get to to the other side that God was calling us, the wind did not stop because we were straining. The wind did not die down because I got out of the boat, because I went to Jesus. The only reason the storm stopped, the only reason the miracle took place is because Jesus came to me, not because I came to him. Yeah. Hallelujah. Man, that's a good word. You, you want to know why that's a good word? It's a good word because that's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's what, Je- that's what Jesus is illustrating. It's not because I came to God. It's not because I was so good. It's not because I was so glorious. It's not because I got my act together, right? It's, it's, it's not, I praise him not because I got out of the boat. I praise him because he got into my boat, right? He, he came into my life. Praise God. That's when the wind dies down. That's when the wind dies down. If you're in a storm right now, I just prophesy into your life, I want to tell you that help is on the way. Can you say amen? It's on the way. It's on the way. I hope you receive it. It's on the way. So you see, this story is really showing us a contrast. And I love this. I, I didn't tell you this, but I, I can't do this story in one message. Not with two gatherings. If we just had one gathering, I'd just go long, right? But I can't do that. So we're going to take this same story in Mark chapter six about Jesus, because there's so many uh, tentacles to it. And what we're going to do is we're going to continue with this story, the same story, next Sunday, okay? Because just, I just don't want us to miss the savage Savior that we have as he's walking. Oh, this is amazing stuff. And so, but, but what I really want you to get is the contrast. There's a contrast in this story between, between the straining that's taking place. They have been straining. We're talking about all night long. We're not talking about a microwave mentality, an instant gratification culture. We're talking about all night long. That's a, that's a long time. So now it's just about dawn. The sun's just up. I mean, you can kind of sort of see the light before the light, right? And, I mean, they've been going. They're tired they're probably hangry, right? They're very, they're very fatigued and frustrated, and they're scared, and they thought they were gonna die. I mean, this isn't the first time they thought they were gonna die in a storm. And you're like, fellas, get over it. Right? Don't you know that Jesus, don't you know that Jesus is with you? Don't you know that by now? I'm not talking to the disciples, I'm talking to you. Hallelujah. How many times does he need to prove himself faithful? in your life before you realize he's not going to leave me I am not alone I've got his strength I've got his power and I've got his provision And so, so there's, this, there's this contrast between straining and, and submitting Jesus was showing them to do exactly what the wind did the wind submitted some of you have been straining for a long time Whatever's going on, you've been straining. You've been just, you've been trying to fix your mess yourself. And how's that working for you, right? It's not working out so good. Or you've been straining to try to run from the mess. And it seems like you're pigpen on the Peanuts cartoons because the mess just follows you wherever you go. And you know what the common denominator is in the whole story? (laughs) That's you, right? The mess follows you because we got to get you fixed. Yes? That's harsh. But that's true. And that's probably why you're here. Jesus is giving us the answer to the problem, and the answer to the problem is, is submit to Him. Um, I want you. There's, I, I want you to notice something in the story that I thought was just powerful. Nate, I'm just going to talk to you. If nobody else wants to listen, I'm just going to talk to you because I think this is so cool. <laughs> Last time there was a storm, Jesus spoke to the storm. And it ceased. You remember, right? We did the Mark chapter 4, right? Just a couple chapters ago. He spoke to the storm. Quiet! I don't know if he did that. I don't know there's an exclamation point, so I expect maybe he was just kind of, meh. Ah. Probably more miffed than them because they woke him up from the cushion that he was sleeping on in the, on the boat, right? I was, you wouldn't believe the dream I was having. It was like of heaven. Well, wait a minute. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, so, 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 quiet! Peace be still! And I, clear as glass. Last time, that's what happened. This time, Jesus doesn't say a word, not a word, doesn't doesn't utter anything. All he did is he got into the boat and the storm stopped. Now, do you know what that tells me? That tells me that all I need is his presence. All we need is his presence. When Jesus sat down, the storm sat down, right? He's Lord of all. doesn't answer the question, though. Why, why did Jesus send them against the wind in the first place? Well, here's, here's my suggestion, my, my answer to the question. Um, he, there's a dramatic pause. We planned that. <laughs> he, he sent them against the wind because he needed a situation. To reveal his sufficiency, he needed a situation to reveal his sufficiency. Um, There's a situation. Have you seen that commercial? Mom, we have a situation. Have you seen that one you're talking about? Yeah, the kid can't get a zipper down, and he's got to go tingle, you know. And we have a situation. Sometimes God uses situations in your life to reveal His sufficiency. It's really about submitting to Jesus, who by his very nature, just his presence, his presence can calm any storm, can fix any mess, can destroy any attack, and can conquer any enemy. Can you say amen? That's, that's the Jesus that we serve. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you an opportunity this morning without being rushed Um. See, if I, if, I, if I would have preached the rest of this, it would be another 25 minutes. And then when I was putting it together, I said, you know what? I can't rush the presence of God. There's so much that the Spirit of God wants to do in the house, in our families, in your life, in your workplace, in your, at your job, and in your neighborhood. There's so much he wants to do in this city. And I believe in this entire region that I'm giving my life for the Central Valley, right? Investing it in, in you and in, in, in you investing it in others. And we're going to see... Kingdom of God, grow, but it can't happen—not for you, not for your family, not for your job, not for your schools, not for your neighborhood. It can't. Not for your legacy. It can't happen unless we submit. And submission is not easy. I've been uh, this year, Lord willing, this year on uh, my my birthday, um, coming up in June, I will. Uh, I started uh, the organization called Christian Black Belt Academies in 1996. Uh, at that time, I was a, uh, it doesn't matter, a martial artist. I had done a lot of things in martial arts. And I wanted to start a Christian organization, so I founded it, and um, God has blessed it. We have uh, over 30 locations now around the nation, and um, uh, we have, uh, it's just incredible what God has done. Thousands of students around the nation that are taking this, this program. And um, a lot, in a lot of churches, it's all Christian instructors, um, and we use it to reach people for Jesus, and so this year, um, uh, the, the highest level of, of black belt is seventh degree black belt. And so this year, after uh, almost 40 years of be 40 years of being a martial artist, I will test on, in June for my seventh degree black belt. And it's an exciting time for me in my life. Um, now, now, I don't say that for that. Thank you. I clap when it's over. Um, but, <laughs> um, but. And that's one of the reasons why I'm getting on this, this real health journey, and I just, I'm just i excited about what, what God is doing through this. We, um, we, I, I, we started it on the South Beach in Miami when veiled this whole system of, of martial arts that we took five years to research and develop and a lot of things. And then I'm going to finish the journey on, uh, on the Golden Gate Beach on the, the, other, the other coast. It's kind of a real kind of powerful thing, and there'll be a lot of people there. it would be kind of cool. And all the years I've been in martial arts, I've had a lot of privileges. And one of the privileges was I was a, I don't know, I, I, for several years I was a, a um, uh, uh, I, you know, in mixed martial arts at the casinos and different things, the lower level. I, would, I was a backup announcer. And so if the announcer locked, had a sore throat, poor guy, I would step in and I would do that. Um, introduce the guys because when you're you got to understand the field and everything i was a kicking coach because my specialty is kicking a kicking coach for many of the mma guys that you might might know of and, and you mentioned that last week in some questions one things i know about martial arts um is it's different than actual street fighting is um there's no rules in street fighting right um and and we don't want you to fight but um but in, in martial arts, there's a the thing called submission. You, you submit somebody, and when you submit somebody, they, there's, there's really two options. Um, you submit them by them passing out, or you submit them by them tapping out, right? There's really no other option. So you get uh, somebody an arm bar, and you know, if they don't tap out, then you break their arm, and then they, they submit. It just, it's just it's the rules, right? Um, sounds pretty gruesome, uh, but, you know, I don't know, that's why they get paid the big bucks. Um, and, and the same thing when you when you're like, like choke somebody out it's the same thing if, they, if they, they don't tap then you just keep on choking until they pass out and then you drop their limp body on the ground and walk away I'm just, I'm just. a wise person knows when to submit with Jesus it's different because he's not choking you out he's giving you slack he's releasing the rope He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's not going to let go of you, but he's going to give you a little more slack, right? Not so you hang yourself. He's giving you slack because it's called free will. When we get to a place in our life that we are, are, are so burdened, so struggling with something, the, the answer to the question is not I necessarily I need God to move mountains. I need God to calm the storm. The answer is I need to submit. My responsibility is submission. His responsibility is, is miracles, right? My responsibility is submit to God, and his responsibility is take care take care of me. Now, it may not work out the exact way I want, but I submit to him, and submission is huge. And so some of you, all of us, in one way or another, struggle with submitting. It's, it's not part of our nature to want to submit. And so here's, here's the altar call this morning. I, uh, I'd like you to, uh, uh, to, to, to participate in this, but... Um, When you can't take it anymore, you tap out. When you don't have it in you anymore, you got to tap out. When when it's become more than you can bear, when you can't breathe, when the pain is so intense that you can't take another nanosecond of it, you submit, and you submit to the one that is more powerful than you. That's what submission is. So I'm going to invite worship team, would you come? And we still have, I, I still got a few minutes banked with you all, right? So you're not going anywhere because the doors are locked and we've got ushers. That... <laughs> but what, what I'd like them to do is just when they're ready, start to play. And I, I've got it. here's the altar call. Think about it. What area in your life are you digging your heels in? What area in your life are you saying, no, I got this? I can't breathe, but I got this. I'm panicked, but I got this. It's going to snap, but I got this. What area in your life, why don't you just submit? Because as soon as you submit, not only can you breathe again, not, not only can you, is the pain going to lessen, but when you submit, you're submitting to the one that is more powerful than you. The one that is more powerful than you is not the enemy. See, sometimes I think that we think we're submitting and we're, we're giving. We're not giving up. We're giving to. We're going to. We're not running from. We're saying, Lord, greater is he who is in me than he who is in this whole world. And so it's all about submission. So I don't know what your hang-up is. I don't know. I could speculate but there's different people in here from different walks of life and I love it everything is I love this church it's what heaven's going to look like right inside and out but you got to tap out so I think the answer this morning is, is simply when they begin to play you come to the altar they say, this, uh, morning, this, this is not good enough to just, to just, just do this I need need you to go there. Shaky, I need you to go there. We we take a step of faith and we, we go there. And so if you're ready to tap out, then you come and you start tapping out and 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 let's let's submit to God this morning in these areas of our life and you just tap out. Come on, just some of you gotta just get some, some of you gotta just get something into that, tapping out. Say, God, it's no longer me. It's not my effort. But it's you it's christ in me i tap out i submit to you jesus you're the author and the finisher of my faith i can do nothing apart from you but with you all things are possible and so in this situation at work or this challenge at home or this financial burden i have to bear or this relationship issue or this i'm i submit to you God, I submit to you this addiction or this hang-up or this problem or this temptation. I submit to you, Jesus. I submit to you, Lord. I don't want to be the same. I don't want to be the same. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind and in order to do that, I have to submit to you. And so I submit to you today, Jesus. I submit to you today, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord God. That you were the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Thank you, God, that you are no respecter of persons. And thank you, God, that you've got everything in control in the center of the palm of your hand. And so I receive your mercy. I receive your grace. And I receive your forgiveness. And today, God, I tap out. I submit to you in these areas of my life that I have been trying to hold on to. I submit to you in these areas of my life that I thought that I was in control. And I give it to you today, God. Fresh and anew, fresh and anew.. Jesus. Jesus, fresh and anew. Hallelujah. Go ahead and sing that song. Hallelujah. Come on now, don't you back up. Don't you stop. You press in, press in, press in. You get it finished. You get it dealt with. You leave it at the altar. You give it to Jesus Christ. He's the one. He's the only one that can set you free and set you free forever. He's the only one that can give to you the breakthrough that you so desperately need. Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. This is for Hallelujah. You. Yes, God. This is for you. Jesus. Hallelujah. For the glory we tap out, God. We tap out, God. We tap out, God. This is for you. Hallelujah. This Hallelujah. You. Come on now. You got three more minutes, minutes in you today. You got three more minutes in you. Press in. Name. Jesus. This Jesus. is for you. Yes, Lord. This is for you. Yes, God. All for the glory and the wonder of your name. This is for you. Yes. This is for you. All for your honor Hallelujah. and your glory and your fame. This is for yes, you. God. Yes, God. This is for you. Yes, God. You. Hallelujah. All for Thank the you, God. glory you, and the wonder you, of your name. Thank you, Jesus. This Thank is you, Jesus for you. Amen. Yes. This is Praise for God. You. Thank you, God. Yes, All for Lord. For your honor. Yes, and Yes, your glory yes, Lord. and your yes, God. Yes, God. This, is for you. yes, this Yes, God. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Jesus. For the glory. you God Jesus glory to God glory to God glory to God Jesus glory now I want everybody in the house that submits to God to lift your hands up and surrender to Jesus as we close in prayer today dear God we love you and we thank you you are an amazing awesome sufficient God and we give you praise for who you are and Lord you're taking our burdens and we thank you that it's light with you and so today God we pray in Jesus name that not only would we make a decision but that decision would be decisive and that it would last that God when we leave this place we would be truly transformed because we've submitted to the one that is more powerful than we So, God, today in Jesus' name, I declare that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, God. 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 God. Praise God. Glory to God in the highest. Thank you, God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest. And may he give you peace. God bless you, New Life Church. Amen. Hey, come on, you can do better than that. Amen. God is so good. And greatly to be praised. Amen, amen, amen.